Ask, Seek, Knock from the sermon series, Sermon on the Mount, spoken by Pastor Peter on. I think one of the hardest things to do in life is to be consistent with our actions with an idea that we think is good or we love. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, for instance, during this pandemic, I think some of us, maybe even a lot of us, we probably gained some extra pounds during this pandemic, right? And we know that we did. Summer's coming. We're thinking, well, maybe we need to kind of drop some, some pounds for the summer. And so we love the idea of losing weight. We love the idea of exercising. But do we actually do it? It's hard to be consistent with it, isn't it? We love the idea of dieting and eating healthy. Like, I dream about that all the time. Like, just dieting and eating healthy. It's like a good thing. But to actually be consistent on that is not easy. It's actually very, very difficult. And, you know, I think this is the same way when we think about prayer. I think all of us, we love the idea of prayer, don't we? There's nobody in this room that would say, no, nah, I don't like prayer. No, we, the, in, in its conception stage, prayer is a good thing. You grew up in the church being taught that prayer is a good thing. And we all love the idea of prayer. But do we actually pray? Do we actually follow through with it, with our actions? Do we pray every day to a point that we know that if we don't pray today, we will not make it today? You know that famous MC Hammer song, the 1990s? We have to pray in order to make it today. It's a great song. It's a great song. And so I, I really do hope that for a lot of us that not only will we love the idea of praying, but that we will begin to implement that into our lives. And so last Sunday, Jesus' emphasis with, when he was teaching his disciples was really to help them to grow in their relationship with each other. And in order for them to do that, he taught them that it's, it's really important that we do not judge harshly with each other. Judging is not necessarily a bad thing, but we should not judge each other in a very harsh way. And now we find that in this next passage that we're going to look at today, he shifts his focus away from his discipleship's relationship with themselves to now the disciples' relationship with God. And Jesus is teaching us that one of the primary ways, one of the chief ways in how you and I could really nurture our relationship with God is actually through prayer. And he uses these three verbs in this passage that we're going to look at that many of you know of. And what we're going to do is we're going to define what those verbs are. And then we're going to talk about three things that prayer is not and three things that prayer is. And our hope is that through this sermon that today many of you would not only love the idea of praying, but that praying would literally become a lifeline for you that you would come to the realization that if you can't pray, you will not make it today. That's the hope, all right? So this sermon today is kind of like a part two to Pastor Shirley's sermon. About a month ago during Mother's Day, she preached a great sermon on how do we pray. Do you guys remember that sermon? And she uses the acronym PRAY. You guys remember what, those, what, what PRAY stands for? Pray, the P is PRAISE. R is repent. A is ask. And do you know the last one? What's why? Oh, yeah, you guys are great. Yield. Yield, right? And so I want to encourage you that if you want to sort of, if you didn't listen to that message, please do so. Because that sermon is really about how do we pray. Today we're going to talk about what prayer is not and what prayer is. All right? And so that's what we're going to talk about. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 12. Matthew 7, 7 through 12. I'm reading from the NIV translation. Here's what it says. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. 
and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will, you, will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. This is the word of God. Let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. And so God, we do come to you right now, and we ask that you would help us to illuminate this text in such a way, God, that not only will we love the idea of praying, but God, prayer would become a true lifeline in our spiritual walk with you. God, I pray for those in this room that might have grown up in a very legalistic background or those who are watching, and prayer has maybe become a chore for them, something that they have to do is because they're Christians. God, may we never get to a point that we feel forced to do something because we're Christians. Help us, God, to embrace these rich spiritual practices so that we can draw closer to you, understanding the true throb of your heart for us, but for your world. And so, God, I pray that the words that come out of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts in this room and those who are watching in their rooms, I pray, God, that it would indeed be pleasing unto you. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. So Jesus uses these three verbs to describe praying. He uses the word, he uses the verb ask, seek, and knock. All right? And those three verbs, when you look at it in the Greek, it's actually in the present imperative tense. And what that teaches us is that these are commands that Jesus gives to us, but that we are to do this consistently with a whole lot of frequency. We aren't to just ask and seek and knock once in a while. No, we are to do that regularly. You know how sometimes Christians will say, you know what, I kind of feel bad asking God for things. I don't know if I want to do that. No, no, no. Jesus says we are to ask, we are to seek, we are to knock. And he commands us to do that not once in a while but regularly. Now, the big thing is what do these three verbs really mean? What does it mean to ask? What does it mean to ask God? Well, really asking God indicates coming to him. With humility, with a conscious need of him. That's what it means when Jesus says ask. When you ask God, when you go to him, you are, what you're doing basically is you are developing a conscious need of him. The more you ask, the more you've come to the realization that you need more of God. The people who truly ask are the ones who are humble because humility is defined not by you thinking lowly of yourself, but humility is defined by simply your dependence upon God. So therefore, when you ask, what you are doing is you are going to God with humility with, and with this conscious need of them. Like a child going to their parents, going to them and asking, why do they ask their parents? Because they need their parents. They depend upon their parents. Without their parents, they can't do certain things in their lives. And so that's why they ask. It's the same way with us. That when you approach God, I hope that you can get to the point that the reason why you're asking is because you realize that you actually need him. That you cannot make it today unless you ask and unless God is the one who is providing and helping you to get through the day today. Amen? So ask. Ask. Nothing wrong with asking. What does it mean to seek? Well, once you've asked, seeking, what it does is that it links your prayers, your asking, with responsible activity in pursuing God's will. That's what seeking means. So well, let me give you an example. So say you're praying for a job. And you're hoping that one day you will find a job. And you're praying for that. Seeking then what that does is that it links that prayer, that asking to responsible actions. Meaning you're actually going to go out and try to find the job. 
You're going to go and look for one. You're going to look on, you're going to look on LinkedIn. You're going to get online and apply for jobs. That's what it means to seek. That you will begin to take responsible action so that you can discern God's will. So just because you're asking God for a job, it doesn't mean that you can just sit home and just wait and expect that somebody's going to call you or somebody's going to send you an email or somebody's going to respond or, or reach out to you via LinkedIn. That's not it. When you pray, when you ask, you also have to seek. Meaning link that prayer with responsible actions that allows you to discern and live into God's will. That's what it means to seek. So let me give you another example. Like say you're single. And you long to meet somebody where you can one day get married. Very important prayer request. And so it's important that you ask for that, that you pray for that, that you depend upon God for that. But you got to also seek it. And what that means is that you got to link some responsible actions that will allow you to discern God's will. That means that you shouldn't just sit home, hope that Romeo is going to come knocking on your door one day and say, guess what? Your prayers are answered. That's probably not going to happen. It means you got to get out there. You got to start meeting some people. You got to start getting to know some folks. Maybe join a small group. Get to know some people here in this church, right? Because if you want to marry a Christian, the best place where you might be able to find a Christian is here. Right? Is here. You got to put yourself out there. You can't just pray and just hope that maybe God somehow is going to bring somebody to you just out of nowhere. All right? Now, maybe that does happen, but you got to seek. You have to seek. All right? So that's what seeking means. It's taking responsible actions in order to pursue God's will. Linking that prayer that you're asking for and connecting it to responsible actions. All right? What does it mean to knock? Knock means perseverance in one's asking and seeking. When you're knocking, it means that you will continue to persevere in your asking and seeking. Meaning you're never going to give up. Because when you pray for something, there are usually three answers that God gives. Yes. No. Not yet. Yes, no, not yet. And so when you're praying, and sometimes I think people, they get a little discouraged because they're praying and it's not happening. Continue to persevere. Don't give up. Jesus says keep on knocking. And so my in-laws uh, are not Christians. For well over two decades, I have been praying that my in-laws would surrender and give their lives to Jesus Christ. I've been praying that regularly. It's been over two decades. They still haven't taken that step yet. What that means is that we are to keep knocking. I have to keep knocking. I can't give up. I can't speak. I'm done. They're beyond this. They're beyond salvation. No, I keep knocking. I don't give up because right now it's probably a not yet, but I'm going to keep praying and keep persevering. And that's what knocking means. Ask. Seek and knock. So when we pray, we are to go to God with humility, a surrendering of our will. That's asking, okay? Then we take responsible actions for the things we're praying for, and that's seeking. And lastly, we are to never give up and be persistent in our prayers and prayer requests, and that is knocking. Prayer is a beautiful, beautiful thing. May we continue to ask, seek, and knock, all right? So having sort of defined those three verbs, what is prayer not? Here are the three things that prayer is not. This is important for us to understand because a lot of us, when we read this passage, it's actually dangerous in how some of you interpret this passage, all right? What is prayer not? The first thing that prayer is not is that prayer is not getting what you want. 
prayer is not about you getting what you want. Look at verse 8. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. And so a lot of us, as we read a passage like that, a verse like that, we think, well, then I'm going to ask God for everything. I'm going to ask God for everything that I want. Well, I wanna, what you need to understand about prayer is that prayer is not about God giving you what you want. That's not what prayer is, all right? Prayer is not about you going to God when you're sort of in a crisis and all of a sudden, like, it's like God is like a 911 call for you. That you go to him. Now, it's important to go to him, but you, you can't just see prayer as just that. Prayer is not like an Amazon transaction, right? Prayer is not like, some of us, we see prayer as like an Amazon tra- transaction. That as long as you place your order, you place your prayer, that God is going to respond in two days. Because you feel like you have a prime account with him. Right? And so prayer is not just, not, prayer is not about that because Amazon, a lot of times, we buy stuff that we want. Not necessarily what we need because all of us have what we need. A lot of it's the stuff that we want to buy because we want. Prayer is not about God giving you what you want because if God gave you everything that you wanted today, it could actually cause you harm. Think about some of the prayers that we've prayed over the years. Think about some of the wants that you wanted Back in the day, could you imagine if God answered all of our prayer requests, how screwed up our life would be today? Think about that for a moment. If God answered all my prayer requests, you know what would have happened in the sixth grade? Sonny Triscala would have married me. <laughs> really? What did I know about love? I was in sixth grade, right? And I fell in love with this beautiful woman, this young girl. And I prayed to God, please, I pray that she would marry me. Could you think about God answered that prayer request? I would have never met my wife, Jenny. Years ago, when I started, when I graduated college, I worked at NBC News. And as I worked there for a few years, I, it just wasn't fulfilling enough for me. I just wasn't getting true, like, joy. And I, didn't, I hated going into uh, work every day. And so what I started doing is I started, like, looking for other jobs. And I started applying for other jobs. Did you know that I actually applied for a job in South Korea? A television studio out there to be a producer there. I actually applied for that position. I used to pray. I said, God, would you please open a door for me to get this job? I would pray that. Could you imagine if God answered that prayer? I don't know if I would have even heard the call to go into ministry. And so the danger is is that so many times we think prayer is about God giving us what we want. But what you need to realize is that sometimes what you want is not good for you because some of us are praying for snakes. And that's dangerous. God loves you too much to give you everything you want because that could actually hurt us. Prayer is not about God giving you what you want. Second thing, prayer is not proof that God loves or doesn't love you. Prayer is not proof that God loves you or doesn't love you. I find that a lot of us, we kind of fall into this trap. And and it's dangerous. It's dangerous. Because when we feel that God answers our prayers, we feel like, wow, God, you really love me. And when he doesn't, we often question if he really does or not. And it's a struggle. Now, for some of us, I know that during this pandemic, uh, we have had family members, loved ones that have gotten really sick. And some of us have prayed. We've prayed for healing for somebody that we love dearly. And for some of you, as you pray, God heard your prayers, you felt, and he answered it, and your family member was able to pull through. And you thank God for that. Of course you do. And you take that as also like an affirmation of his love. But then for some of us, God didn't hear, God didn't quote unquote answer your prayer request and you might have lost a family member. And you've questioned yourself. You say, God, do you really love me? Do you really love my family? What's going on here? Maybe for some of you right now, you're praying for a sick family member or a sick friend and they haven't been healed yet. 
and you're wondering, God, when? What's going to happen? The danger of prayer, if you're not careful, is that some of you will take it as proof to whether God loves you or doesn't love you. That's too much. You see, you have too much faith in your prayer. Have faith in God. Don't have too much faith in your prayer. Have faith in a God that can say yes, no, not yet in your prayers, rather than faith just in your prayers. For some, of, some couples, I've, I've been walking with some couples within our own church. Maybe you're struggling with infertility, and you've been praying that God will allow you to conceive of a child. And maybe for some of you, you have. You've prayed that prayer. God has blessed you, and you've conceived of a child, and you gave birth to a kid, and it's great. And you just take that as just such an affirmation of God's love for you. And then for some of you, you've been praying, you've done the in vitro, you've done all those things, and yet it hasn't happened. And you feel like, God, did I sin somewhere along the lines to the point where I didn't repent of it, that maybe you're angry with me? God, why have you forsaken me? Do you get my drift here? What could happen? And sometimes we get into this really dangerous pattern where we see prayer as sort of a place where we see, God, do you love me or not? No. Prayer is not proof that God loves you or not. You know what? proof there is in how you and I can discover God's love for us, it's really through the person of Jesus Christ. It's through his life and his death and his resurrection. It's through his life and death and resurrection because of his son, Jesus Christ. We know that God loves us. God has revealed his love to us through the person of Jesus Christ. So don't ever doubt whether God loves you or not. That's really the lies of the enemy. Those are questions that the enemy feeds into your mind. Jesus, God really loves you. No, God loves you. You know why you know that? It's because of Jesus Christ. Amen? He does, and you have to embrace that, all right? Now, believe in a God who can say yes, no, not yet to your prayers, but trust in God. God knows what's best for us in the bigger scheme of things. And so because Jesus Christ has come and died for us on the cross and resurrected from the dead, God's ultimate revelation of how much he loves us, what that does is that it creates a position that you and I can go to God and we see prayer as this opportunity for us to draw closer to him. Do you know what a privilege it is to pray? Do you know how lucky we are that we have an all-access pass, literally, to God? Like, we have an all-access pass. To, like, there are no restrictions between us connecting with God. We have that opportunity, and we got to see prayer as a privilege, as an honor, not necessarily as a burden. Prayer has to be more than just you seeing this as an opportunity for God to answer some of your prayer requests so that you can get what you want. Prayer is so much more than that. Prayer is to really go deeper in our relationship with God. Jesus, through his life, death, and resurrection, has created this position so that we can go before the Lord. And I love 1 Corinthians chapter 2. If you ever get a chance, read it. Because you know what Paul says? Paul says, because we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, we can know the thoughts of God. That's what he says. And that's what prayer is. That when you pray, when you pray and as you get to know God, you know what you're going to grow in? You're going to know the thoughts of God, the Father Almighty. That's what prayer is really about. It's not just for God to bless you and give you things. But it's about knowing who God is, to know his mind, to know the throb of his heart. That is what prayer is all about. It is a privilege and it is a true honor that you and I get an opportunity to pray and to have that kind of all access to God. Truly is a privilege and an honor. Think about a celebrity that you love. Could you imagine if that celebrity gave you all access to them? What an honor you would feel. God, the creator of this universe, has given us all access to them through prayer. It's a privilege 
It's a privilege. Prayer is not proof of whether God loves you or doesn't love you. Prayer truly is this privilege that you and I get to know deeper the thoughts of God. Third thing that prayer is not is this. Prayer is not about you. Prayer is not about you. When you read this passage, what do, you, what do, what do we usually think when we read a passage like this? We often think, all right, God, how can you bless me now? God, how can you begin to bless me now? That's what we usually think when we pray. We think about, okay, God, what can I get? You said ask, seek, and knock. So how can you bless me? Guys, prayer is not about you. And if that's how you think about, your, uh, think about this passage when you read it, then you're really not a disciple. Disciples, very seldom do they ever pray that God would bless them. You know what they pray for? That they would be a blessing to God's people. That's the posture of disciples' prayers. And so please think about how you pray these days. Is your prayers just about you? Because if it is, you're going to have to change the tone of your prayer. Because if you really want some of the things that you're asking for, it really requires you to see prayer as an opportunity for you to pray that God would use you as a blessing to bless and advance his kingdom here on earth. Right? So that you and I can truly live out what verse 12 says. Look at what verse 12 says. It says, so in everything... Do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and prophets. That's what Jesus is saying. That basically is another way in how you define the great commandment, right? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do for you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. In order for us to live out this command, this great commandment, the way in how we can do unto others as we would have them do to us, we definitely have to pray. Our prayers should be focused not about us, but how we can be a blessing to other people. Remember the, uh, the story of Solomon? I want to show you how a disciple often prays. Remember when Solomon started out in his king, as a king of Israel? God comes to him in a dream. And look at what God says to him. Let's look at 1 Kings verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 5. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5. And just think about this. If God came to you like this, what would you pray for? Look at this. Look at verse 5. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Can you imagine if you actually had a dream or God came to you and said, ask for whatever you want. What do you want me to give you? What would you ask for? What are some of the things that you would ask God for? Is it more focused on you and what you want, your security, maybe your success or things like that? Or is it something different? How does Solomon answer that? Look at what he says in verse 6. You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. But I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? Look at how God responds now. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this, and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you wise, a wise and discerning heart, so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. And look what God says in verse 13. Moreover, Solomon, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth 
and honor. So that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I'll give you a long life. That's how disciples pray. Disciples don't pray about blessings for themselves. They often ask to be a blessing to others. And as that happens, God blesses you with the other things. Now, please understand with Solomon, he didn't end well. You guys know the story of Solomon. He ended real bad. He was a man behaving pretty badly. And God cursed him then. And so what's important is the asking and the seeking and the knocking. You can't stop doing that. Because at some point in Solomon's life, because he had everything, he had the wealth, he had the power, he stopped relying upon God. So he stopped asking. He stopped seeking. And he definitely stopped knocking. And as a result of it, he took over his own life. And we all know the kind of life he lived and how at the end uh, God was not blessing him and took away the blessings from him. All right? So prayer is not about you. It's not about you. All right, so then what are the things that prayer is then? What are the three things that prayer is? Here it is. First, prayer is God giving us what we need. That's key. Prayer is not about God giving you what you want, but prayer is about God giving you what you need. God will never just give you what you want because many times what you want is dangerous. God will always give you what you need. In verse 9, look at the example that Jesus gives here. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Look at the examples that Jesus gives here. It's when a child asks his parents for what? For bread and for fish. These are essential needs to live. And so please understand that about prayer. Prayer is about God giving you what you need, not about him giving you what you want. Jesus wants us to understand that about prayer. That God will give you what you need. It's not about God giving you what you want. Because again, some of you, what you want will actually be like a snake to you. It has potential to harm your life. Some of your prayer requests are actually quite poisonous. There's venom in your prayers. And you've got to be careful. God knows and he's going to protect you through it. If you knew what God knew, if we all had the understanding and knowledge of what God knows, God will give you everything you want. But because you don't know what God knows, he can't. So prayer is about God giving you what you need. It's not about God giving you what you want. Second, prayer is growing our dependence on God. That's what prayer is. It's about truly growing in our dependence on God. It's about having this conscious need of God where we totally depend upon him. That's what prayer is. Prayer is about us having this dynamic prayer life. It's about saying that, God, I truly need you. I need you for what? Because without God, I hope that you realize that you and I are both incapable of doing unto others as you would like to have them do to you. It's not easy to do that. Now, it's easy to do that with people you like. It's easy to treat people well and love them, those people who love you back. But I think what Jesus is talking about here, he's talking about the ones you don't want to love. The ones that have hurt you deeply. Can you truly treat them and do to them how you would like them to do to you? You need God for that. And prayer is about growing in dependence upon God. Saying and coming to the realization that saying, God, if I don't pray, I can't make it today. That if I don't pray to you, if I don't depend upon you, I can't do what you may want me to do. I have come to the place in my own life that I truly believe that, it, that I need God so much. I depend upon God that if I don't have God, I know I can't be a good husband to my wife, Jenny. 
I know I would be a pretty bad husband to her. That that's how much I need God. I depend on God every day so that, so that I can be the best husband I can be to her. And I s- still fall short of it many times. I depend upon God every single day so that I can be the best father I can be to my children. I know without a shadow of a doubt that if I don't have God in my life, there's no way I can do it. There's no way I can be a good father. There's no way I can be a good husband. Impossible for me. So I've gotten to a place where I know that without me going deeper into God and depending upon him, I cannot do to my wife, to my children, the way I would want them to do to me. I depend upon God every day to be your pastor because I know I can't do it. There's no way that I can do it with my own strength. And so I depend upon God for that in order for me to be your pastor. I depend upon God every day so that I don't fall into an addictive pattern of sin as a result of my pride and my shame. Prayer allows you to build a deeper dependence upon God knowing that if you don't have God, you cannot make it today. You just can't. And so that's what prayer is. Prayer is about you growing in your dependence of Jesus Christ. And so that's what it is. May you go to God within that. May you go to him and learn to depend upon him because the best place you and I can be is when we truly depend upon him for everything in our lives. It's really key. And the third and last thing, prayer reminds us that we are not God. Now, nobody in this room will ever say that they're God. You will never say, I feel like I'm God. No, that's not. That's not what I'm talking about here. But for those people who don't really pray, it's often a result because you have a pretty good dependence upon your own human faculties. That you don't really need God because you can kind of do things yourself. So I mean, you're very smart, you're very talented and gifted, and you don't really need to depend upon God. And when you don't depend upon God, I want you to know something. You may not, you will never say this with your mouth, but if you don't depend upon God, and you're not praying regularly, it's because you think you are one. You think you are God. You think you can do your life perfectly fine without him. And that's really a dangerous place to be. And that's a place that Jesus never wanted his disciples to get to, that we have to depend upon God. Think about how fervently Jesus prayed. And Jesus was God. Think about his prayer life. If Jesus needed to pray the way he prayed, do you know how regular Jesus prayed? He prayed with such regularity that when people were looking for him, his disciples knew exactly where he was. In the morning, read Mark chapter 1. They're like, where's Jesus? Oh, he's praying. We know where he is. He's praying. Let's go find him. He prayed with that kind of regularity. And if Jesus needed to pray like that, and though he was God, how much more do we need to do so? And when we don't have a prayer life, when we decide to go our day without praying, what that really affirms is that we don't need God because in some ways, although we'll never say this with our mouth, we believe we are one. That we are good enough, we are self-sufficient, and we are good enough to provide for ourselves and we don't need God. And that's why you and I must pray. We must pray regularly so that we can be reminded that we are not God. Many years ago, when we first started, like probably year three or four into our church, uh, somebody in our church uh, wanted me to meet this very wealthy businessman. He was the CEO of a company. And uh, uh, I mean, this, uh, during that time in our church, I very rarely ever connected with wealthy people, particularly even if they were uh, wealthy and they were Christian. 
And so I was a little nervous, a little anxious for this meeting, honestly, but he wanted me to meet him because he was a Christian. This guy wasn't just a millionaire. He was way above that. He was at a different income level that in the likes I've never, ever met in person. And so I started sitting there waiting for him with my friend. We were going to have breakfast together. And I started to, like, get anxious, and I started to get all these negative thoughts about this guy. Like, the first thing was that he was late. And I'm, like, just like a typical rich guy, making me wait for him, but he's not going to wait for me. Just comes whenever he wants, right? Like, just, he just comes whenever he feels like. And I started to get kind of, like, hostile a little bit. And then I started to think, like, wait a minute, this guy probably because he's so rich, he probably has so many people kiss up to him. People will do anything he tells them to do, right? I said to myself, I am not going to kiss up to this rich guy. There's no way. When he comes here, I am not going to kiss up to this guy. I don't need his money. I got God. God will provide whatever he needs to provide for our church. I don't need anything for him. And I said to myself, I will not pour this guy a cup of coffee because at our table there was a big pot of coffee. Say, he better not think I'm going to pour him a cup of coffee. I'm going to make him pour me a cup of coffee. Right? So I'm getting all angry waiting for this guy like just because I don't know how to deal with, with a wealthy businessman like that. And then he comes and he sits at the table and my friend just starts introducing him to me. And he says so many great things about him, about where he's at, um, how successful he's been in his company, but also what a deep man of faith he's in and how he's such an example and such a model and things like that. And as he's talking about him, he just stops him in midway and he says, stop it. Stop it. And he looks at me and he says, Pastor Peter, I just want you to know something. I said, my job, where I'm at, in my position, it's incredibly humbling for me. And I said, why? Why is it humbling for you? Because you have everything. And he said, because I have come to the realization that though I might have a lot, in one day God can take it all away from me if he wants to. And I remember looking at him and I'm thinking, Wow. That's a great answer, right? And so I started pouring him a cup of coffee, all right? <laughs> I mean, I just started warming up to this guy, and he was so nice and man of faith. And, I mean, I couldn't believe the stuff that was coming out of his mouth. And I was just like, wow, this guy really loves Jesus. My idea of who he was was completely different than who he truly is. And I just started bonding with him. We just started talking, started sharing about how he came to know Jesus Christ and why God had called him to be a businessman and how he's using that to, to proliferate the kingdom of God. And I'm telling you, man, it was like an hour of just pure pleasure for me to sit with this guy and talk to him. And then towards the end of our conversation, I just said to him, I said, hey, can I just ask you a question? I said, how do you stay humble? Like you got all this money, all this power, Christians are like really looking up to you, holding you up. Like I was like, how do you stay humble? And he didn't have to think about it. He just said it in one word. He looked at me and he said, prayer. Prayer. And I got it. That time, I, I understood more than ever what prayer is about. You see, prayer is not about you going to God so that he can answer some prayer requests. That's not what prayer is about. Prayer is about you going to God because you know that you are not God. That's what prayer is. This rich guy had to pray every day. Why? Because if he didn't, he would get to a place in his life where he would realize that maybe he is God. Maybe he can do things that God can kind of do because he's got all this money, power, and wealth. And so how he stayed humble, how he continued to, want, how he continued to live his life so he can depend upon him was to pray. That's the only thing that helped him to stay humble because prayer teaches you that you're not God. So Metro... Will you pray? Will you ask? Will you seek? And will you knock so that God can give you 
what you need, not what you want? Will you ask, will you seek, and will you knock so that you can grow in your dependence on God, so that you can have faith? Jesus says, even faith of a mustard seed, if you have that faith that small, he says, you can tell a mountain to move and it will move. Will you ask, will you seek, and will you knock so that you can be reminded that you are not God and that prayer is not about you. It's about a God who wants you to surrender yourself to him so that you can be a blessing to the world. Metro, will you ask? Will you seek? Will you knock? Let's pray. And so I don't know how prayer has been for you or how you see prayer. But I hope and pray that today that you would truly see prayer as an opportunity where you see that it helps you to grow in your dependence upon God so that you convince yourself without a shadow of a doubt that you cannot pray. If you miss a day of prayer, it will literally be a day where you will struggle in your life. The very famous song, we got to pray just to make it today. So may you stop loving the idea of praying only. May you begin to start praying in your life. And so go to God. He's here and he'd love for you to pray and go to him. But whatever God's stirring your heart right now, whatever it might be, maybe you believe more in a prayer that you've been praying these days than actually God. And so go to him. Would you connect and let him minister to you. And so Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come. Jesus, would you come right now in this room? Would you come in the rooms of the people that are watching? And will you minister to them right now? I'm going to give you a few moments and then I'm just going to pray for us. Lord, we're sorry for sometimes seeing prayer as a chore. That is something that we've got to check off on our spiritual list that we have to do for the day. We ask that you would forgive us of that. But we also ask you that you would forgive us because sometimes we pray for things that we want, not what we need. And sometimes, God, we see you like a genie that we rub the bottle and hoping that you're going to give it to us. That we see you as a vending machine of blessing. That we get to choose what you bless us with. Forgive us of that. And God, I pray that you would forgive us of making prayer so much about us. I pray that you would forgive us that when we pray to you, it's, such, it's a monologue. It's not a dialogue. We tell you how you are to do your job in blessing our life. Forgive us for that. And so, God, would you teach us to know that prayer is about you giving us what we need. Prayer is about depending fully upon you. And prayer is to remind us very strongly that we are not God. And so will you help our church? Will you help us, God, not just to love the idea of praying, but help us to put it into practice where it could truly become a lifeline or we'll never be the same again. And so God, reveal yourself to us during our times of prayer. And I pray that we would truly need and desire it with all of our hearts. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. There's some next steps that I'd love for you to take. If you could uh, go to your communication card on your app, it's there, or emetro.org slash Sunday. 
Uh, there's some next steps there that I'd love for you to take. First, I'm committing my life to Jesus for the very first time. If you haven't done that, please check that off and we will get back to you. We'll follow up with you. Uh, I will pray, second, I will pray for greater dependence on God. All right, I will pray for greater dependence on God. Do that this week. And sometimes that can be a dangerous prayer because God may put you in a place where you're going to have to really depend upon him. But it's a good place to be. It's a good place to be when you depend upon our Father. All right. Third, I will pray for Metro Community Church and its future home. I thought, you know what, it would be great for you to pray for our church. I don't know if you pray for our church. I know some of you really pray for our church. But can we this week spend more time praying for our church in the one area of Metro getting a future home? We're, we're looking into Liberty School right now. We're talking with the city continuously about it. Uh, would you just pray that God will open a door, that he would give it to us if it is his will. All right, that would be really great. And then I think it's important to, to do corporate prayer. Sometimes when we think of prayer, we think about just doing it by ourselves. But corporate prayer is really important. It really is. And so first one is maybe today you need prayer. So make sure you go to emetro.org slash pray. Make sure you do that, right? But the second way in how you might be able to do that is go to Wednesday at the well. It's at 7.30, 7.30 p.m. It's a group of people that come together. They worship. They hear a word. But then they pray corporately as a church. All right? They do it virtually, but they also do it in person. I think they're going to do it, I don't know how regular in person, but check that off. and get, We will send you information about this week, where it's going to be, whether it's going to be virtual, where it's going to be in person. All right? uh, the fifth thing is, is I will attend Friday morning prayer meetings. Now, we do Friday morning prayer meetings at 6 a.m. Now, I know that's early, but it's a great way to start your day. And uh, it's always virtual. And so if you're interested, check that off. And we'll make sure we give you information on how you can sign up to be a part of our Friday morning prayer groups. It's important to pray together. It really is. Corporate prayer is really key. All right. Six, I'm going to register for a summer fellowship small group. I, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to just be a part of only one for the summer. Uh, but I do hope that you will get together for some fellowship with your fellow brothers and sisters in this church. We've been in this pandemic for about 18 months, folks. We have not gotten together for a while. It's time that we begin to start doing life again as a community. So please, uh, Pastor Doug said that registration is going to be ready this week. Check that off. And what, what, what he'll do is that if you check that off, he'll send you the link when it's up this week. All right? So please, please, if you're interested, so sign up for that this week. And then the last thing. Please send me more details in joining the Early Marriage Ministry Couples Bowling League. All right. The Early Marriage Ministry, which is led by Pastor Clay, is doing a bowling league. If you like to bowl, this might be a great opportunity for you to be a part of this. Uh, if you are an, uh, sort of in that stage of newlywed, newlywed stage is I think like one to like five years or so. If you're in that phase, in that stage, this is for you. Get to know other groups, other couples in this church and develop a deep relationship with them and at least start it off with some fellowship, all right? So that's, those are some of the next steps and hopefully you'll take full advantage of that.